I'm reviewing here! Happy Monday! What's up, everybody? I'm Matt Bussey, the host of I'm Reviewing Here, a podcast where I am watching and reviewing Sight and Sound's top greatest movies of all time. There's only a few of them, 264 to be exact, and I am at... What number am I at? I don't remember. Anyway, I hope you're all doing really, really well. Uh, It is a very hot day here in Philadelphia when I'm recording this, but I love it. Uh, I don't know if... Yeah, there's not AC on. Is No, why would I think there's AC? No, there's not AC on. Sorry, my brain right now is like... Also because, you know, this is a the, the movie today that I'm going to discuss is a very heavy movie. And I feel like I am going to have to, like, go back to, like, philosophy class. I took one philosophy class. Actually, it was okay. I mean, I liked one of the philosophers, Robindranath Tagore. I forget what his his uh, his words of wisdom were. I think his words of wisdom were like basically like we're all screwed. <laughs> so well, I got to write an essay about him. I remember that very clearly. That was really good. But yeah, how has everybody's day been so far? So I know it's Monday. I had a busy weekend. Uh, trying to catch up on so many shows. Love is Blind. I'm like unhealthily like. I like addictive to it, uh, which I hate to admit. But you know what? Honesty is key. Yellow Jackets, I'm so friggin' behind on. There's a new show called Obsession on Netflix that's like four episodes, and um, it looks hot. And I started watching it, and um, <laughs> it's okay. It's like just utterly ridiculous, but um, it's based on a book, I think, and it was later made into a movie in 1992 called Damage, starring Jeremy Irons and Juliette Binoche. Oh, she's so great. Uh, And it's basically, you know, a love story. It's kind of screwed up. Do you want to hear the plot? I mean, you have to, obviously, because I'm going to say it regardless. But yeah, no, Obsession is basically about, uh, it's a British show about this guy, husband, who has an affair with his son's, uh, like, girlfriend, fiance. And they have like a very twisted, like Fifty Shadesy kind of relationship, and yeah, like I, I couldn't. I, I'm gonna try and rewatch it. The first episode, I was kind of drunk when I was watching it, so I wasn't really totally following, paying attention to it. But I don't know. It's just some of these shows, like there's nothing wrong with a good erotic thriller, you know, or an erotic drama. I just feel like in this show, like the the actress in it, I don't know her name, but you know, the one who plays the daughter-in-law. Uh, or the, the, you know, the woman, his son's girlfriend. I mean, they make her out to be this, like, completely robotic, like, sex object. You know, like, when they first meet in a bar, they're, like, several feet away from each other, and, like, the music stops, and she just stares at him all wide-eyed, and he's staring at her all wide-eyed, and the music's like, oh, and, you know, it's like... Like that, you know? Like, they treat it like that, and it's like, uh, okay, I... really i don't know if that's totally necessary but you know we'll see how it goes who's in it the dude uh his name's richard armitage armitage i think is how you say his name he was one of the hobbits in the hobbit there were like 15 of those movies i don't remember which one he was he played the lead in it like the lead hobbit not bilbo uh but you know the uh, no he wasn't a hobbit in it i'm sorry he was a uh dwarf in it anyway how do i always get 
on these weird tangents. Uh, today's movie is absolutely extraordinary, and it's by one of the greatest directors of all time. Well, he's dead now, but he is forever one of the greatest directors of all time. Uh, I also got this wrong in the last episode. I said, this movie everyone's heard of. My mistake. It's actually the next episode, if you care, um, and you're actually following Sight and Sounds lists like I am, then you'll know the movie I'm talking about. But uh, yeah, that's going to be on Wednesday. That's going to be a fun episode because that is a movie that positively, I mean, I feel like babies, when they come out of vaginas, it's like the first word they say, the name of the movie, but I won't say that. Uh, yeah, today though, we're going to talk about a very artsy-fartsy but gorgeous, haunting movie by... A man named Ingmar Bergman, considered to be one of the greatest directors of all time, and this is just one of his many classic films. This is Cries and Whispers. Oh, that's a really good trailer. It's actually an updated trailer by... Oh my god, it's by the British Film Institute. And the British Film Institute is the one that, you know, Sight and Sound is a publication of the British Film Institute. Look at that, it's a small world. Ha ha, boo-boo, but you Okay. <sighs> Cries and whispers. Well, first of all, I gotta give a little backstory on Ingmar Bergman. So Ingmar Bergman, not Ingrid Bergman, people get them confused sometimes. Ingrid Bergman, who was also Swedish, I think, I forget. Um, she is, you know, the very famous uh, actress from Casablanca, a whole bunch of other movies. I think Ingrid and Ingmar actually did a movie together, and I think it might be on this list. Or I may have just dreamed that. I don't know. Uh, but Ingmar Bergman, I've seen a lot of his movies. It's been a while since I've seen a lot of them. I'm trying to think, for those listening who aren't super familiar with, with uh, you know, international films, there's a very famous, probably his most famous movie he ever did was called The Seventh Seal, and there's a scene in that where there's a guy on a beach playing chess with death, like literally with death, like an actor in like the cape. And, you know, he's like, uh, uh, your your queen is going to eat my king or whatever. I don't know how chess works. But yeah, like, you know, that scene, if you've seen that scene, like spoofed a lot in movies and stuff, like they showed that in 500 Days of Summer. I don't know if you remember that quick scene where uh, JGL, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, uh, is doing that like on the beach but Ingmar Bergman how do you describe him well oh man Ingmar Bergman is one of the 
like greatest cinematic artists ever cinematic art like think about that for a sec this is someone who you know wrote and directed mostly all of his movies and he has total control sorry i had to swallow there that's why i paused he has like total control over everything he knows what he's trying to say in every one of his movies and his movies i think what's so powerful about them and why so many filmmakers and film lovers just love his movies so much is that his movies like they are they they dive so deep into the human psyche you know into into what it means to be alive what it means to live and that sounds like a really broad like kind of vague thing to say at the same time you know like what does that mean it's hard it's hard to explain it's hard how the hell do you explain cries and whispers you can't explain it in one sentence that's why i have a podcast (laughs) like you know there's also, I think there's other movies on, um, other Ingmar Bergman movies on his list. But I think that's just sort of the best way to say it. his movies are so heavy and, and haunting, like just haunting. They're just haunting. You watch them and you, you're like, it's like you're transported to this weird, otherworldly, uh, uh, existence you know where you learn these characters you look you you get so far into their heads and his movies are just works of art i think that's why he's so amazing you know his movies are are truly works of art fun fact if you love horror movies the last house on the left you remember that movie utterly depraved movie uh it was a west craven movie from the 70s and then they remade it in 2009 uh, people, The Last House on the Left is based on an Ingmar Bergman movie. Yeah. It's called The Virgin Spring. It came out in 1960, I think. And it's the best movie out of all of them. It's not a horror movie for a start. It's a very serious movie about, again, the human condition. It's a movie about how nonviolent people become violent people when things happen to people that they love. You know, It's a movie about a man, a very religious, devout man whose daughter is raped and killed and he gets revenge and you're just watching this movie and you're just going, Oh my God, that's actually in us. You know, that, that violent, that violence is in all of us, you know, but you know, Wes Craven came along and, and I, I have nothing against Lost House and Left, but you know, he came along and he made it gory and gross and even more depraved. And you know, the Virgin Spring, it's obviously a very intense movie, but it's not bloody or anything like that. It's a, it's a absolutely amazing though. And I think it won best foreign language film at the Oscars. Haven't seen that in a while, but, uh, cries and whispers. Wow. Now this movie like blew audiences away when it came out and it even was nominated for a bunch of Oscars, including best picture. And I think best director for uh, Ingmar Bergman, it won best cinematography, the cinematography, holy potato cheese. This movie i wanted to like eat my tv up literally did you hear that that i just did yeah that's like that's what happens when i see good cinematography in a movie it's by this man named uh, sven nickvist uh what else did he do i'm looking at his movies right now oh yeah so he did fanny and alexander another movie okay sorry i didn't prepare work on the reading about the cinematographer for this movie but it's gorgeous though you know this movie it came out you know it was was a swedish movie that came out in 1972 and it was one of those films that you know it went it made its way at film festivals and 
American audiences and American critics were like, wow, this is actually really, really good. And it made a, a big splash in the United States. Uh, Roger Ebert, you know, listed it as one of his favorite movies of all time. And uh, it just, it completely captivated audiences. I, you know, and people were familiar. Ingmar Bergman had already been making a lot of movies, so people knew who he was. But this one, there's just something about it. Uh, there, there really is. There's something about this movie. It, it, I could not get it out of my head. I had seen this movie years and years ago. I only remembered... Well, obviously, I didn't remember the movie that well because, um, well, now what am I trying to say? I'm trying to like not give a plot point away, but I am going to give a plot point away because I always do on this podcast. There's an absolutely horrendous scene in this movie that one of the characters does to herself, and I just remember when I saw this as a kid, I kind of was like, I don't, I don't think I can ever watch this movie again. I don't think I can. It just, you know, when you're a kid and you see something so brutal. It stays with you, and you just, you know, you, you can't do it. But um, I did make it through this time, sober, uh, and um, I was blown away by it. I was absolutely blown away by it. And, you know, just watching that trailer, I, like, I wish I could just go to the movies and see this on the big screen, because I know the effect would be all the more powerful. So, Wow. I'm excited about this one. This is a really good one. I highly recommend it. I already, look, I'm already getting to the end. I highly recommend this movie. Anyway, what's it about? What's so strange and weird about it, Matt? Well, um, like I said, it's, it's a, it's not weird as kind of like a pejorative. It's not, it's not a weird movie. It's a very, uh, artsy movie. It's a movie about the human condition. It's a movie about fate. It's a movie about pain, anguish, sisterhood, sisters, um, Sisterhood, sister, are they like the same thing? I don't know. Um, it's about a lot of things. And I think what is just so magnificent about it is that it's so exciting to watch a movie like this because you can just see all the passion and craft from, you know, its creator. You know, this movie is like a painting and Bergman is the painter. He wrote and directed this. This is his work. This is his baby, you know. And it's a dark movie, uh, but what Bergman is really interested in, it, yeah, it's very heavy and dark, but it's also so effective in a very bleak kind of way, like in a way that you don't really know, you don't really like want to accept that you're sort of interested and, and affected by it, but you are in a way, you know? So, yeah. God, I'm thinking about it right now. Hot damn. All right, let me get my notes up. Also, if you hear my chair swivel, that's just my chair, obviously. All right, notes about Cries and Whispers. This movie. Do, 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 do. Okay. Primarily, this is a movie about four women. Uh, it's set in the 19th century in this, uh, like in the, in this, desolate uh mansion in in the woods in sweden and and uh it's there are three sisters the sisters are agnes uh maria and uh, it's not karen that's not how you say it but corinne corinne is how you say her name yeah um and then there's the servant and the servant is this very uh almost like angelic woman named named anna so there, it follows these four, these three sisters and this, this, their servant, you know, they obviously come from a very wealthy family. Their mother has passed away. Uh, she passed away 20 years before 
Agnes, played by, uh, oh God, what's her name? Harriet Anderson, who is still alive. Wow, 91. Um, she, Agnes is dying. She's dying. She has cancer. I believe it's uterine cancer. She's dying. Uh, Corrine, played by uh, such a good performance, this actress named Ingrid, God, Ingrid, Ingrid, Ingmar, Ingrid. There's so many Ingrids in the Swedish nation. Uh, Ingrid Thulin, I think that's her name. She plays Corrine and she's very depressed. She's just not happy. I'm going to really dive deeper into each of these characters too, so don't worry. Maria, uh, who's played by Liv Ullman, she's kind of like the promiscuous one. She's kind of like, uh, uh, promiscuous is kind of a, a harsh word. I think she's the one who is a bit of a brat. Like she's the one who is a little bit ignorant when it comes to family matters and serious issues. You know, she's kind of, she, that's her. Liv Ullman too, uh, is one of, she's a legendary actress. She's still alive. She's 84. She actually was, uh, with Ingmar Bergman, the director for five years. And their daughter, uh, has a little cameo in this movie too, which I never knew about, but yeah, they stayed friends. Ullman was in a lot of his movies too. She was in one of his movies that he did called, uh, Persona, which I think is like number 16 on this list. So that's going to be probably next year. You'll get to hear about that. But, uh, yeah, Liv Ullman in this movie, she really reminds me of like Jessica Chastain and actually Ullman actually later, years later, directed Chastain and Colin Farrell, I think in a movie. Fun fact. So this isn't really a super linear narrative. Cries and Whispers does not really have a super linear narrative. This movie follows these women and there are just, it follows each of them and how they're, where they're at, you know, not necessarily related to Agnes's illness and her, you know, upcoming, you know, f fatality basically. I mean, but, um, we learn a lot about these sisters and the, and the servant as well. You know, Agnes is dying. This also, you got to remember too, that this, this mansion is just so quiet and the mansion too, this is where the cinematography comes in. It's all red. Everything is red in this apartment, the floors, the ceilings, the walls, it's all red. And the women are always wearing white. They're always wearing white nightgowns and white nightgowns. It's like all they wear in this movie dresses, long skirts, you know, it's like all they're wearing and everything else is red. I mean, the curtains are red. Agnes's bed sheets are red and the color contrasts are so striking. Like this crimson red versus white. It makes the movie all the more, uh, uh, like, like, uh, you just can't look away from it. You know, I can't think of the adjective for it, but also I said crimson and now I just can't get crimson and clover out of my head. Crimson and clover. Uh, but Agnes, uh, we find out, you know, through, uh, flashbacks and voiceovers, Agnes always felt like she wasn't really loved by her mother. She kind of felt like the loser of the family. Uh, and she's very close with Anna. Now, Anna is, probably the closest one with Agnes. Is Anna gay? Does she like secretly love Agnes? Well, there's a moment where Agnes is having, you know, uh, a breathing fit, if you want to call it that, you know, <gasps> like she, she's just having, uh, she's in so much pain. And Anna does this really uh, surprising thing where she kind of undoes 
part of her nightgown and, and exposes her breasts, but she, she kind of holds Agnes and sort of cradles her a little bit. And a lot of it, it and this happens later on in the movie, it looks like the Pieta. Remember Michelangelo's uh, Pieta statue of, I think it's, is it two guys or is it a woman holding a man? But, you know, she's like, they're cradling each other. One of them is cradling the other. And that's, uh, you know, the, the, the allegory in this movie, that's not... That's not subtle at all. I mean, Bergman, um, very clear. Well, I guess it's not super. I guess it is subtle. I didn't know it, obviously, because when I researched this movie, that's the first thing I found. And I was like, oh, but I also just don't know art that well. So why does Anna do that? Does Anna secretly love Agnes? No. Um, I think Anna just wants to comfort her. And touch is a big theme in this movie. Touch. T-O-U-C-H. Touch. Remember that. Definitely remember that. Agnes likes this. She likes to be touched by Anna. Not in a sexual way, but, you know, almost like in a motherly way. She likes it. It's not meant to be erotic or anything like that. She just likes it. Corrine, we later find out, and this is like a little like intense, so like trigger warning. But, you know, Corrine uh, is married to this dickhead named Frederick, who is just like, doesn't even like they have dinner and he can't even like look her in the face. Like it is the most awkward marriage in the history of marriages. She's, we learn this through flashback too. You know, she hates her life. And again, trigger warning. She basically ends up, oh, it's like hard to even say this out loud. She mutilates herself genitally. There, I said it. Um, I'm not going to tell you how she does it. I'm just going to say that, yeah, there is a moment. And look, this is a movie. It's not real. It's 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 ketchup, I think. But um, yeah, she does it. And she does it so that Frederick can't have sex with her anymore. You know, she, she kind of does that to punish him. And she's a mess. Anna is kind of like the fly on the wall through all of this, too. Like, she kind of knows... Corrine is going to do that. You know, she knows Agnes is in pain. She knows Maria. Now here's Maria, uh, uh, what her character is like. So Maria, uh, again, through flashback, Bergman does these things where he just gets really close up on these women's faces and then he crossfades into this like red color. This It's like a red crossfade and then it's a flashback. And that's, you know, this is a flashback when, before Agnes got sick. Maria is married to uh, Joachim, I think that's how you say his name, and she's having an affair with David, who is the doctor. He's Agnes's doctor, uh, and he wasn't actually, I'm sorry, I got that wrong. He wasn't Agnes's doctor when they started having sex. She started sleeping with David when Anna's daughter, the servant, when her, her daughter got sick, and he came to examine her, and she basically seduces him. When Joaquin finds out, he takes, I think it's like a letter opener and stabs himself in his office because he just can't believe what she's done. And he says, help me. And she says, no. I mean, what? (laughs) Are you kidding? So these people have, these women have a lot of baggage. It feels like the only one who is the most calm and sort of heavenly and doesn't have you know any issues it seems like is Anna you know I mean Anna I believe Anna 
Oh, no. Well, Anna's also a little... Sorry, I forgot this. There's a lot in this movie to unpack if you haven't figured that out already. Anna's daughter died. We find that out very early on in the, in the beginning. But, you know, she seems to have it together. Agnes is dying. Corrine is, se- is sick mentally and hurting herself, you know, vaginally. And Maria is just basically um, indifferent to ethics you know what is right and what's wrong you know uh maria when your husband stabs himself you should probably get help you don't just go no i'm gonna leave you there you know and Liv Ullman, i mean she's just phenomenal in this movie because her face there's her her expressions in this movie are just so amazing and i think that's why what i love about bergman's films especially this one is he gets that camera so close to his character's faces and he makes you look them he makes he makes you look at them deep in their souls you know there's a really incredible moment where david kind of takes maria to the mirror and he's like look at yourself like i want you to look at yourself and this is what i want you to know like you're you're messed up you're indifferent you're uh an unethical you know uh <laughs> bitch <laughs> no i'm just kidding he doesn't say that and when in that scene, though, look at Maria's face, you know, really, really look at it. You see her kind of being almost turned on by this, this, these horrible things that he's telling her. But at the same time, there's that, that very peculiar kind of subtle look of sadness as well in her, in her face. So that's really important to remember, you know. I know that pain is like a big theme in this movie, but you know, it, uh, Bergman makes that very, very apparent. I mean, literally one of the opening shots, there's no dialogue for the first like 10 minutes in this movie. There's a shot that's just so painful, uh, in the beginning where again, it's a close up of Agnes. She's in bed. It's just a close up of her face and she is just writhing in agony and the camera doesn't move away. You just see her face. You don't see that in a lot of movies these days, guys. You really don't. Um, I go to the movies all the time. I see movies all the friggin' time. And it's rare when a filmmaker can trust his actors that much to get the emotion that he wants from them, you know? And I think that's what's so haunting about Cries and Whispers. You know, every close-up, you just you feel like you're watching these real... These are actually real people, you know? Oy vey. So this movie... I hate to, you know, get sadder because I'm already talking about freaking, you know, mutilation and stuff. But Agnes dies, kind of skipping to the end. She dies. You know, we already know a lot about these women from these flashbacks and their their inner dialogues and everything. But she dies. Everyone's heartbroken. You know, Anna is absolutely gutted by it. And... What happens afterwards is a little interesting. Um, you know, Corrine and Maria, they they kind of try to... Well, Maria tries to sort of rekindle her relationship with Corrine because she says, I feel like we were never close, you know, blah, 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 and I, I, I want to get to know you better. Now, for Maria to say that, it's a little interesting because it's like, well, what... No offense, Maria, but, like, what... How are you... Fe- why do you feel that way? You know, because Maria's like, she's been cheating on her husband and she didn't help her husband when he stabbed himself. So Corrine is very, very cold and bitter. And she basically just says, I hate you. I hate you all. I don't you know, want to do this. And again, this is where touch comes into the picture. 
Maria goes to touch Corrine, and Corrine cannot do it. She cannot be touched. She tries to touch her, and she just goes, no, 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 no. And then they finally, you know, I think Corrine, like, has a good cry, and then they finally hug each other. And it's a moment that is so oddly touching in a way. And it's like, you want, you kind of, like, wish the movie could end there, but it doesn't. What happens next is so surreal and so... Like, just, I, I'm so bad at adjectives. Haunting. I, I can't think of any other word but haunting, honestly. And it literally is surreal because the scene after that is a dream sequence. In this dream sequence, the four women are all together. Agnes has come back alive. And, you know, she tells, and she's in bed and she tells Anna, you know, I want to talk to Corrine, bring Corrine in. And Corrine is totally awful and comes in and just says, I don't want to talk to you anymore. Okay. I just, I'm done with this family. Goodbye. And she leaves and Agnes is like, um, okay, well that's disappointing. Bring in my other sister, Maria. Maria comes in and they have a little talk and Agnes goes to touch her, Maria. Maria has a like conniption, you know, and starts screaming and, you know, her hair comes undone, her hair tie comes undone. And she's like, it's like, she's possessed. She's like, no, 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 no. And she runs to the door and she's like, Anna, let me out, let me out. And Anna lets her out. Anna looks, you know, heartbroken because both of these sisters just can't connect with Agnes. And I think, Anna knows that. Anna, it's like Anna and Agnes are the only one who know that, you know? Anna goes back and she cradles her again. I think, I forget if she gets her boob out again, but she does it again. Again, it's not erotic. I'm not trying to be dirty here. She does that. And, you know, it was just a dream. Agnes, even in dreams, you know, her sisters couldn't find peace with her, you know? So the very end of this movie, it's, you know, right after we're not dreaming anymore. This is real life. And uh, Anna, the family basically says, you know, okay, Agnes died. So Anna, I feel like we don't need you anymore. We'll we'll give you a memento, you know, like we'll give you uh, a memento. I think it's just what, like extra money. I think that's what they say. Uh, I think that's what it is. Uh, And Anna is very, you know, like, no, I don't want your money. Like, you know, f- fuck off, basically, is what she says. Uh, Joaquin, we, or Joachim is, uh, I keep wanting to say Joaquin Phoenix. Joachim, it turns out, is still alive. He didn't die from stabbing himself with a letter opener. Uh, Maria goes back to him, and Corrine is a little different. Corrine goes up to Maria, and, you know, they're in mourning, so they're wearing black this time. That's another big, you know, thing to remember. They've been wearing white this whole time, and now they're wearing uh, black. Corrine goes up to Maria and tells her about, you know, I think she basically says, like, I'm happy that we reconnected and that, you know, we hugged each other. And then Maria just goes, I don't know what you're talking about. I I think you, are you like, you know, stoned? Like, what, what, I didn't do that to you. And she leaves. (laughs) So it's like, what happened? Well, it did happen. Maria and Corrine did, you know, rekindle their their sisterly relationship but now maria is denying it it's it's just like why i'm gonna get to why because i'm gonna get to what bergman i think is really trying to say but it ends you know the movie ends on a kind of bittersweet moment where you know anna goes into agnes's room and finds her diary 
and Agnes uh, reads, you know, in in uh, this, she reads this memory where you know she was hanging out with her two sisters and Anna outside when Agnes was, I think, not sick. And she said, you know, for this, in that moment, I felt happiness. And then, you know, the movie ends with, come what may, this is happiness. Come what may, no. And then they break out into song, and it turns out that the whole thing was just a dream, and and, uh, everyone's happy. No, 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 no. (sighs) Guys, I'm like sweating just from talking about that movie. It could be the heat, but I'm also sweating just because um, I'm at 32 minutes right now. And and, uh, that's, oh, sorry, my computer almost went to sleep um that's cries and whispers for you if i've scared you uh good because that's what this movie is meant to do um if you love movies like me and you love to be uh challenged by works of art like this then i say go right ahead and and do it um i was blown away by this movie i was blown away by the performances the writing uh the cinematography the the just the imagination of it all, you know? Um, I, and I loved reading about this movie, too, about the um, where it all came from. So Bergman, this is kind of crazy. This all came, this idea of these four women, you know, three sisters, and they're all wearing white, this came from a dream that Bergman had. He said that, oh, God, where's the quote? I just lost it. Um Oh, yeah, no, he he had this dream that he used to have a lot of the time where there would be four women all wearing white and they would be in a red room and they would be they would be whispering to each other all the time. And he said that this symbolized his childhood view of and I'm quoting this of the soul as a faceless person who was black on the outside, representing representing shame and red on the inside. I think, you know, the big thing and like you know this is where philosophy comes into the picture uh the thing about bergman's movie here and the same thing with a lot of his other movies that i've seen his outlook on life is very uh pessimistic his outlook on life is basically that you know life is meaningless um there there are good moments in life but then there's also a lot of bad moments you know uh, there are moments that can change us, and then there are moments that can crush us. You know, Maria and Corrine make up, and then Maria later goes, "No, uh, that didn't happen." You know, it's ter- it's horrible, it's horrible. Uh, and I think you know that that's there's just there's so many things to talk about this movie, but I feel like you know, philo- philosophically speaking, that is the big part of this. You know, the meaningless of life. There's a scene in this, mo- in this movie after Agnes dies, the priest comes, and even the priest, when he's giving, reciting his sermon you know, at the funeral, even he basically says, Agnes, like, I'm glad you're not here on this miserable planet anymore, and God, like, may you, uh, or may you plead, uh, this is a direct quote, plead with him to free us of our anxiety and pain. 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 I mean, it's just such a big thing of this movie you know pain but more than that you know there are all these allegories there are all religious allegories you know there's symbolism with the colors there's a lot of it that's why this movie i don't want to like scare you away if i'm like it's oh it's a movie about depression and pain and everything it's a movie yes it's a very heavy sad movie um no do not watch it with your kids no 
If you're in a very dark place mentally, do not watch it. It's not going to cheer you up or anything. You're not going to find this movie on Disney+. Plus. Hell no. The themes are very, very dark and, and bleak, but, you know, I, I recommend Cries and Whispers so much, though, because, you know what, this is a movie where you watch it, and even if you don't understand it, watch it again. And when you watch it the first time, if you don't totally understand it, but you're trying to interpret what bits of it mean and what things mean, that's amazing. You're doing what the movie wants you to do, you know? That's what I love so much about filmmaking and, and film history and film theory and everything film. Film, film. And I think that's what movie buffs like me, that's what they love so much too. Cries and Whispers and like any other Bergman movie, it's all about that. It's all about watch this movie, take it all in. You know, if it's too much at first, watch it just for like the visual, you know, aesthetical part of the of, of it all. But then watch it a second time and really try to interpret what he's trying to say about women in society, about sisters, about pain and suffering and death and, and optimism in life and, and, and uh, pessimism and hedonism and, and husbands and wives, you know, there's, there's so much. And like, you know what, this, this episode too, I know it was like all over the place, but it's meant to be uh, for a movie like this, because this is not a movie that you can just, talk about in five minutes or less it's a movie that you know i could literally talk about this movie for another like probably just two minutes because i'm like it's a lot <laughs> it is it's a lot it, it's definitely a lot but man it blew me away it absolutely blew me away and i highly highly recommend it cries and whispers or as they say it in swedish visk ningar och hop yes no um, I would love to go to Sweden. I also have to say, too, Swedish filmmaking. Swedish filmmakers are amazing. The Swedish uh, film scene has been incredible forever, uh, and even just like in literature too. I mean, the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo series. Hello, the movies, not uh, just the one with Rooney Mara, but the original ones with Numi Rap Numi Rapace. I think that's how you say her name. Hello, Amazeballs, amazing, amazing, and I'd love to go to Sweden one day. Uh, yeah. Check this out, guys. Cries and Whispers. It's available on HBO Max. Uh, it's an amazing... Uh, it's been restored in its amazing, incredible, crystal clear, red and white quality. Because that's those are like pretty much the only colors in this film. It's a lot. It's something. It is definitely something. It is a whirlwind. It is, it is uh, a punch in the chest, but a very pleasing kind of oddly pleasurable punch in the chest <laughs> um that's a horrible horrible metaphor uh no it's it is a lot but you know what if you're new to like watching and reviewing movies uh and you really like it and i haven't annoyed you to death already on this podcast then do it watch it and watch a lot of other bergman films because he is absolutely magnificent and rest in peace i think he died and when did he die yeah 2007 because i was at the beach when he died i remember that yeah i was at the beach with my sister and her friends and i remember my sister's friend's mom was like matt sweetie do you know that director ingmar bergman he died and i was like oh no and then i i didn't care and i just went body uh boogie boarding boogie boarding body bo yeah boogie board boogie boarding um that was like my favorite thing to do 
but yeah, I really, I'm really, uh, I was so happy to watch this again, and I can't wait to see more uh, Bergman films. Uh, I don't know how scattered they are, but I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of them are close to, you know, 100 to 1 on Sight and Sounds list. So check it out, check them out, read a lot about it. I'll add some, uh, you know, articles about this film in, in the notes as well if you're interested. But yeah, definitely check it out. This was really fun, you guys. Oh my God, I'm almost at 40 minutes. It's been a long episode. Uh, you know, hard movies, they take longer to talk about. Thank you for tuning in to I'm Reviewing Here. Uh, new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I swear, I'm not going to lie this time, the next episode is a very popular movie, and I have a lot of thoughts about it, so I'm looking forward to talking about it. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, share it with everybody. You can also follow uh, I'm Reviewing Here on Instagram. I'm at I'm Reviewing Here. You can also follow me on Instagram, Mabusi, M-A-B-U-S-S-Y. Uh... Why are you being dirty? I'm not being dirty. Come on, shut up. Uh, guys, That's we're talking about a serious movie here, okay? But uh, yes, definitely this is always so much fun to do, and I hope you're enjoying it as much as I am. I need to go get some water right now, and I need to like splash some water on my face because this has just all been a long episode. But I'll see you Wednesday. Bye-bye!